As you probably know by now, I love a good story, especially when it's a God story. Some stories awaken our emotions and expose rawness that we've tried to protect. But when it's God moving, we can trust exposure is for our healing, to take the sting out of the wounds and set us free from hurt. You can also trust that if God is in the story, it is always to bring about good for us, in us, and through us. This episode is such a story. Friends, I'm your host, Jody Caracosta, ministry leader at Somebody Cares America International, author and traveler on this journey of faith. Before I introduce my guest, I encourage you to take a moment to like or follow this podcast on your favorite streaming platform so you won't miss the stories of any of my amazing guests. I've known my guest, Bobby Case, for nearly 25 years now. She's a woman who loves fiercely. She's generous, joyful, and full of gratitude for all God's done throughout her life. Bobby is a court reporter by day and an expert quilter, among other things, by night. She and her husband, Rob, serve on the prayer ministry at their church and are gracious hosts for all who need a warm welcome. A mother of two adult sons, Bobby's learned the truth about Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Welcome, Bobby. You were raised in the church. Your family was as involved as they could be. You got saved at a very young age. You learned to play the piano using hymn books, and you had very little contact with worldly things. How did that shape your view of God? I knew God at a very, very young age. I grew up knowing about missionaries. I grew up going to church, and I've trusted God my whole life. Growing up with really a protected environment. Yes, yeah, very, very protected. protected. I mean, such yes. a blessing from the Lord, you know, when you are protected and you're not encountering uh, some of the pain and hurt and tragedy at a young age. Mm -hmm. And that really set your view of who God is. Yes. I knew God cared for me. I prayed to him. In your preteen and teenage years, when you were trying, you know, really your, our self-image is defined during those years. Yes. And that was a struggle for you. Explain that a little. Yes, it, it was. My dad had a hard time keeping a job. He was a mechanical engineer. When I was in the middle of the fourth grade, he takes a job in a town in West Virginia. Now it's about an hour and a half drive. Back then, it probably was three hours because there wasn't an interstate. And so he up and moved his family down there. So I was about nine years old, give or take. Move into a school in a little town that people did not move in and out of. So you were a stranger. Because you were new and you were a stranger, you... Kids were very mean. They would make fun of you, tease you, say mean things about you. And I've been very sheltered. That really affected me. I had a hard time making friends. The children there didn't really want to make friends. You were the stranger. You were the odd man out. You know, it's the typical, they pick a team during gym class and you're, never, you're not picked. Yeah, or so you're the really, last one. So that really affected your sense of self-worth. Yes, I had no self-worth. Words that are sown in our lives mm -hmm. for good or for evil can really have long-lasting effect. That's and Satan true. will use those if we allow him to in our lives. And the goodness of God changes that. Yes, you know, it does. He changes all of that. So you continued to move around a little bit. You know, your dad got different jobs. And um, in high school, you were in a a new place yes, <laughs> in a new city, yes, trying to find friends again. And you took a home ec class in high school and God had a surprise for you there. Tell yes, us about that and, and how that impacted the next few years of your life. We moved to Toledo, Ohio. One of the first things we did, we went to a church up there. This was the beginning of my sophomore year of high school. My parents got us right into the youth group and I was in the 10th grade in the home ec class. And the way the rooms were set up, you had your sewing machine faced another girl's sewing machine or boy, but most my class was all girls. You know, we were learning to sew. And the girl across from me, her name was Kim. And she started talking to me and she said, well, do you go to church? I said, yes, I, I do go to church. And she said, well, where do you go? Um, and I told her and she said, well, I go to that church. And I said, really? She goes, yeah. I said, well, I've been to the youth group and I, I haven't seen you. And she had been out of town because of summer, and Kim, to this day, has been my best friend for 51 years. 
And God is so gracious like that in a time when you were struggling with your self-image and self-worth and friends, God gave you a wonderful friend in Kim that's ended up being your lifelong friend in high school. His loving kindness and his faithfulness never ceases. God is such a good God. And he really provided for you during those high school years. You got involved in that church. You had friends there. You were even started traveling with singing, didn't you? Yes. My mom led the youth choir. She started a youth choir at that church. And we traveled around the state of Ohio. And my dad would drive the bus. You know, we would sing for youth rallies. We just sang in different churches. At least three or four years, we did that. Well, when you graduated from high school, you didn't really have much direction. I mean, your whole focus in life had been wrapped up in church activities, which undoubtedly shaped your expectations for life. What were your expectations or your hopes for the future at that point? I didn't even have a clue about college. Um, which you would think right after high school, you would be looking for colleges. And, and my parents never talked to me about college. When I got out of high school, I didn't know what it was I was supposed to do. I got a job for a year working for a chiropractor. And then a lot of my friends were going to a school in Lakeland, Florida, a Christian college. So I said, well, maybe I'll try that. So I applied for school and I went down there, was there for two years, met a lot of people. In my mind, I just thought, you know, well, I'm supposed to get married and have kids and raise those kids to love God. And I didn't really have any direction whatsoever, truly, of what to do with my life. It's just sort of like going, waking up, and whatever was there that day, that's what I did. <laughs> yeah. So you were at a Christian college. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. For two years. I mean, it was really uh, not like a lot of Christian universities today, which actually train you up in, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, any number of of, um, professions. This was really geared to pastors, missionaries, teachers. Teachers, yes. And you didn't really feel called to any of those things. No, I'm, I'm not a public speaker, and I have no teaching qualities in my skill set. So after two years, there originally wasn't a draw for you to go back and your family needed some help. Once again, my dad was changing jobs and moving from Toledo, Ohio to Virginia Beach, Virginia. So I just decided to stay in Toledo, work part-time, go to school at the University of Toledo. In this time when you're in college and seeking what to do with your Mm -hmm. life, kind of with that expectation that marriage is it, you met someone who was quite interested in you and you were you were taken by that. So I met my first husband. That started a very tumultuous time in my life. I believed in prayer. God's direction was important to me. You know, God is so faithful that if we have a heart that yearns for God's direction, he will not let us miss it. He won't. If we're willing to be obedient... So, you know, I think a lot of us can look back on our life and say, gosh, did I miss God here? Did I miss God there? But you had a heart to serve God. Yes. And so even though there are some bumpy times in all of our lives and we wonder, gosh, did I miss God on this? When we are truly yearning to follow God, he does not let us miss it. We might misstep. We might go through some hard times that are of our own doing. The ultimate destination, we don't miss. Mm -hmm. I believe that, Jody, because... I'm married now to the to a wonderful man, and God gave me this second chance. And I have thought the exact same thing because you know people say that you know you're looking for the perfect mate, the perfect wife, the perfect husband, and then you think, well, I've missed it. I I missed him somewhere. But God, in His divine wisdom and in His kindness to us. He gets us back on track somehow. He does, or He makes the path we're on somehow get back in with what he originally planned for us. There are mysteries in God that we will never fully understand or know until we're in heaven looking back and then we'll see it. This man that you met in college, you were smitten with him because he was showing you the attention, giving you the the, the words that you need, that you had longed to hear. That that self-worth was being fulfilled from him and that relationship progressed to marriage. It did progress to marriage. And that really started 14 years of a period of betrayal and confusion. And, you know, I mean, he was really preying on your vulnerable self-image. Kind of a nightmare, (laughs) really a nightmare no bride expects. Yeah, it, it was a nightmare. God turns everything 
for good though. My first husband was very deceitful. He lied. He was a thief. He was an abuser. I'm not going to go into great detail on it, on that, but all I can figure is his growing up, he had some things in his life and he carried them into his adult life. He was very good at covering it up yes. for many years. There are a lot of things I still don't know, and it's been over 25 years. I do not know a lot of what was going on. Maybe God allowed me to be blind to it. I couldn't maybe have handled it at the time. When he said he was leaving, it was just out of 14 years, let's say we had like two years that were good years. And, you know, maybe the first year and then maybe another year in the middle, but I couldn't trust him. I couldn't trust him financially. I couldn't trust him, I guess, sexually. He was involved with other women. It was very hurtful. And I didn't have much of a self-image. I didn't think much of myself to begin with. And then by the time the marriage ended, it was hard. Even out of that terrible time, God blessed you with two wonderful sons. Yeah. I tell my sons this, that nothing is ever wasted in God's economy. When I was in the a junior in high school, our house burned down. The oil furnace that we had blew up. I was at school. My two sisters or three sisters had just caught the school bus. And it was just my mom and my brother and my dad at home. My dad trying to get the furnace working. This is in February in Toledo. Very cold. I have a girlfriend named Esther. And I her dad was the minister of our church. And I went and stayed at their house for a few nights. And the minister read to me Romans eight twenty eight, where it says all things work together for good to those that love the Lord. I just remember that verse as far as this marriage. And I think my two boys, that was the good that God brought from that marriage. Uh, my two sons, they're wonderful. They love God. They trust in God. My youngest son was born early. He was born three or four days after I found out my husband was stealing from my mother. When Robbie was born, they didn't expect him to live because he was born with pneumonia. He was a sick baby. God gave me the verse, Hebrews thirteen five. He said, I, I will never leave you or forsake you. So Robbie was born right it was less than a week that I found out that my dad my husband was stealing from my mother. God took that period of 14 years, and he's made good come from it. You saw even miracles. I mean, God, I, God, I saw God, miracles. God really saved Robbie. I mean, Robbie, he, Rob, yes, he did. And, I, I was uh, amazed when you were telling me the other day about the story. There was not a neonatal unit at the hospital no. where you gave birth. They were opening one, but it wasn't open yet. No, it. I had just taken a tour of the hospital nursery that day. They had walked us through just so when you go in to have your baby, you know where you're going to go and all that. And they showed us this intensive care unit for the babies. And they said, you know, we've just finished this and we haven't opened it yet. And then the neck that night, my water broke. It was snowing. Robbie was six weeks early. They couldn't get him across town to the children's hospital or to the bigger hospital. God allowed him to be born there at the hospital. He was the first baby in the NICU. That's when he gave me that verse that he would never leave us. Here I am. Um, all my my marriage is falling apart. Now I have this brand new infant. They don't think he's going to live. Robbie now is turns thirty eight today. So eventually, your first husband Mike he left, and then, you had two young sons, and he left you with a mountain of debt. Yes, uh, obviously a, a feeling of great failure, but you also had a freedom. I did. You know, I had a really freedom. mix. Didn't I you? had a, yes. I had a freedom. I was living with my mom and dad. They were amazing. I'm the sole breadwinner. I had a job at one of the local churches, but the minister there treated me as if I was one of his sheep. He gave me this book written by friends of his, Jim and Sally Conway. And in the flyleaf, he put the verse, Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you, plans for good and not for evil or hurt. Yes, it gave me a future and a hope. You didn't want divorce. You really were praying yes. for reconciliation, yes. for, for, for Mike to really turn his heart back over to the Lord, but he continued to walk in disobedience. Yes, he, he did. And, and it he, was God's mercy for him to be removed from your life and the life of your boys. Yes. And he was doing things at his job that I found out He was later. endangering. Actually, he was endangering you guys. Yes, he, he was. So God came in, he rescued you from this 
very harmful situation. And he started carrying you through. I mean, you talked about a little bit about the pastor who really came alongside you. And, and there were so many other instances of how he provided for you. And I know you could probably go on and on and on at all the little ways that God came in and showed his care and that he is Jehovah Jireh, your provider. But just give one or two examples of how you saw God working on your behalf. I had an angel visit. Maybe people scoff at that. I was very distraught over this. I was working for jobs and going to school full time. And I was exhausted living with my mother and my dad. Now, if, if I wasn't with them, I don't know how I, how I would have made it through. My parents really showed up. My sisters, my brother-in-laws, my brother, they were there. I was so tired at some point. I would be standing up. My bedroom was upstairs. I would stand at the top of my stairs and had no idea how I would have the strength to walk down the stairs. I remember standing and get, walking through the grocery store and just literally start to cry. So my parents took my boys and I in in June of 1992. And my dad added shelves in his garage to hold our boxes and stuff. And my mom went and got paint and carpet to fix up two bedrooms for us. And they never complained. To me, they were modeling God's love for us, his parental love, how much he loves to be our Abba Father. They took my boys to their sporting events, music lessons, various camping trips, and cook suppers, helped with homework, and let them build a no-girls-allowed clubhouse in the backyard where my dad used to keep his boat. They gave so much time and so much energy. I realized that they were showing me unconditional love. Love doesn't keep a record of right and wrongs. I had realized I had been doing this my whole life. I learned to ask the Holy Spirit to help me forgive and love. And guess what? He did. And then I had a visit by an angel. God never left me. And I'm sitting in choir and this person behind me leans forward and tells me that God has protected me like the eagle protects her young. How the eagle puts its wings around the young and that God is protecting me and going to take care of me. And I looked around at this person and I, I didn't know who this person was. And you had been in choir a long yes, time. You I knew everybody in the choir. Yes, I had been there probably 10 years. And then I didn't really talk to them after. And I said, well, I'll see them Sunday morning and thank them. And I cannot say that I saw them Sunday morning. It was an actual angel. I I had seen this angel one other time in my life that I, I can't remember the exact circumstances, but I just remember, my gosh, that's my angel. That's an angel of God leaned over. Physically, I saw this person tell me God's going to take care of me like the angel or like the eagles take care of their children. I'll tell you another. You know, it was Christmas. It was December. I didn't know where I would get extra money to get my kids gifts for Christmas. I'm like, Lord, please send me some extra work. I'll do whatever I need to do. I just need some extra money. And I remember saying, but gosh, if you could just give it to me, that would be great too. <laughs> and the next morning I went into work, there was an envelope sitting on my desk and I believe it had opened it up and it was from a friend there at church. And they said, God told us we had this extra money. God told us we needed to give it to you. And it was $600. Wow. And I just remember laughing inside thinking, well, Lord, if I'd have known it was this easy, I would have just asked you to give me money previously. A long time ago. To not work. <laughs> yeah. I fully believe that if you're faithful to God, and I tithe, and I've tithed since my very first job babysitting, that God will not let you down. You know, God gave me money. Todd wanted to play the trumpet. In junior high, I didn't have money to buy my son a trumpet. I went ahead and I bought this trumpet, $300, I remember, on my credit card. And the trumpet is there. The bill comes in the mail. And I'm like, okay, God, how are we going to pay for this? And the next day in the mail is a check for $335 for some work that I had done. So, Which um, was... Which was enough to pay the bill the, and, and to pay tithe. tithe. Yes. <laughs> I try and share that with my kids. I just... Like, don't, we don't need to worry about these things, truly. We belong to him. I'll tell you, he inscribed us on the palms of his hands. That's another verse, Isaiah 49, 15 and 16. Will a mother forget her children, her nursing children? Even though the mother may forget, I will never 
forget you. I've inscribed you on the palm of my hand. That's good. Yeah. Then, and Bobby, while you were dealing with the fallout of, you know, the divorce and working hard and trying to raise your sons, you also needed to help them get through really the loss of their, their father. What did you do that really helped them see that God is a good father, even though they might not have seen an earthly father that was? Yeah. I prayed with them. I read them Bible stories. The two that we read over and over and over with David killing the giant and Jonah in the whale. Those were the two stories my sons loved to hear the most. And, And I would pray with them. When my first husband remarried, Mike wanted them in their wedding. And my oldest son did not want to go and be in his wedding. And he just sobbed and cried and cried. And he said, I don't understand, Mom. If God loves us so much, why is my dad marrying this other person, this other woman? And I just remember hugging and, and praying with them. That That's all I could do was just hold them and pray for them. Mm-hmm. And my youngest son, I had them in private school and I had to take them out, kept them in as long as I could. But then had to take them out because I couldn't afford it. And Robbie wasn't going to fourth grade in a new school and he didn't have any friends. And I knew what that felt like. And he was so upset. And I, I just hugged him. It was a Sunday night and I prayed on Sunday nights. I would make sure we were together and I would have like a little prayer circle, the three of us. And so I prayed and said, Robbie, I'm going to pray and we'll have God trust God to bring you friends. And by the end of that week, the teacher had asked him, to be some honorable position in the class. And then he's playing some ball, some game in gym or outside. I don't know what it is. I think it's like four square. And everybody wanted to be in his square. Uh, Everyone wanted to be with Robbie in his square. So within a week, God answered his prayer. And little things like that, I think, show children that God cares for them. You know, when I was growing up, there were some times when there were some specific prayers that I prayed and my parents prayed with me and God answered. Mm-hmm. And that does make such a remarkable difference. It, they were things that were important to me that my parents prayed with me about. And they weren't earth shattering in any way. But, you know, they were a concern of my heart. Mm-hmm. God answered those. And I knew it was God because we had prayed about it together. And that does seal in our hearts, even at a young age, how... God is real. Mm-hmm. God cares for us. God loves us. And it help, it can help through some tumultuous times, yeah. which, you know, I know, you know, children of, who have experienced trauma in their lives, they have challenges. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when, when they see God moving on their behalf, it helps. Yes. That's all I could do was pray with them. I wasn't equipped to do anything else. And I've relied on God through prayer my whole life. It's like conversational prayer. And it's amazing to me that people don't have conversational prayer with God. I I remember, um, I don't know, about 15 years ago, I was the office manager I was working with at the time. Her husband was dying of cancer. I went over. She was having some kind of a party at her house or a Christmas party. You know, her husband was doing fairly well. And then they they she asked me to pray over. This is a group of people I didn't know these people invited to this party, but, um, she asked me to pray for the food. I was just astounded at that. And I had gone over and prayed with her husband and she had told me, she said, I've never heard anybody pray like that. And I'm like, what, this is how I grew up praying. It just, it's like having a conversation with God and And I just realized, see, I didn't grow up in formal church, like a Episcopal church or Mm -hmm. Presbyterian church with formal prayers, a prayer book. I didn't even know such things existed really till I was almost 40 years old. It's hard to imagine, but it's the truth. You know, at this point in your life, you're working multiple jobs to make ends meet. And at one point, you already mentioned you had four jobs to support you and the boys, you know, through all that time, God was starting to repair your self-worth, your, your understanding of your self-worth, your worth in God's sight Mm -hmm. and showing you his love in some really tangible ways. You mentioned about, you know, the money (laughs) that he gave, you know, you for Christmas for your boys. But there were a couple of other things too, that really were very personal to you. God opened up a singles group for me. 
That's where I met Jody and a lot of other friends. God put these Christian men and women in my life that loved my kids and loved me. And in Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. You know, we try to make things happen and work out. God cares for us. These silly little things like show, give me a friend or um, God, for seven years, I went on trips. I never thought I, I went on a cruise to Bermuda. Here I am working four jobs, going to school. I have two children and God gave me the money to go to Bermuda with a cruise, uh, with 20 some people. And I think you were on that cruise. I was, I was on that trip. And I did not incur a debt for that. Yeah. It's incredible. Who would have ever thought? Just a little, a little kiss from God. Wasn't I, it, it was a kiss from God. Yeah. Something I really needed. Dear friends, there are widows and orphans all over the world who are in very difficult situations and they need God to show up for them in a real way, just like Bobby needed God to show up for her in a real way. And as a company of women together, we can show them a tangible expression of God's love in their time of need and change the course of their life. Would you consider joining us with a special gift to help? Just go to hergodstory.org and click on the Widow and Orphan tab at the top of the page. Now, Bobby, remarriage wasn't a desire or an expectation or even a focus of yours, but over the course of a few years, God started opening up your heart to that possibility again. He even gave you a dream about it, didn't he? He sure did. I remember in me was a desire at some point. Yes, I would have liked, liked to be married again. And But I wasn't going to marry just to marry like I did the first time. I'd already done that. I didn't need to be married to, to have self-fulfillment. I woke up one morning and realized I had had this dream. And um, not to embarrass anybody, but I dreamed that this bald man was crawling into bed with me. And I, I know that it, I'm like, I didn't know anybody who was bald at that point in time. And he was a good looking man. And it wasn't like some kind of a sexual dream or anything. It was just somebody, this bald guy was getting into bed with me. And and in this space of time, my anniversary, my wedding anniversary came up for my first husband. And I was reading my Bible. And this, this was on June 16th, 1996. And I had been married on June 16th, 1979. It was the exact day. And I read in my Bible in Isaiah 43, 18, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Mm. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Here I was mourning in 1996. You know, my marriage, you know, you get lonely. And my marriage, the first marriage was not a good marriage. I met Rob my current husband in 1997, I believe it was, or 1996. I think it was 1996 now that I'm talking to you, Jody. I met him at the beach. We would go to the beach. The singles group went on Sunday afternoons. We'd go play volleyball down there at the beach and I would take my boys with me. They loved my boys and they loved me and they, they treated me no judgmental attitude. And I remember one of my friends, Bob, introduced me to Rob, and he said, Rob, this is Bobby or whatever. And I'm a musician. I played the piano. I led the singing, led the worship at the adult, singles adult thing. And Rob said to me, he goes, my dad owns a piano store. <laughs> that was like the first words he ever said to me because I was a pianist. And um, I'm like, oh, that's really, that's nice. And I didn't really see Rob again or talk to him until a year later. We were starting small groups and Anne, my friend, was manning the table and people came in and she assigned them to groups. I was leading a group along with another friend, Ryan, and Anne, <laughs> bless her heart, she wanted to be in a group where she knew some of the people in the group. So she assigned herself to my group and Rob got in the group with me, my and he wanted to sit next to the teacher. That's what he says. <laughs> and um, from and he asked me out. He liked me and for who I was. And he was he's an engineer. 
he's had a steady job and he asked me out and I couldn't go out with him. <laughs> it took him three times to get a date with me. Now I wasn't trying to be hold out or anything, but you know, I just would say, you had a busy life. You had a yes. busy life. Yes, I, I mean, did. You had kids and I you did had have jobs kids. And, and then uh, I had to have my, yeah, I, I had things planned and Asked me out three times. So our first date, I believe, was January 4th, 1998. So, Bobby, what was different about him and the way he pursued you that allowed you to be able to trust him? Because there's a lot of mistrust there. You know, I mean, God had been healing that over the, the seven years. But, you know, when you come into an intimate personal relationship with somebody, there's, there's a different level of trust needed. So what was that about Rob that you saw that allowed you to grow in trust with him. Rob loved God. Um, he led a high school boys group at the church he went to. He went to a different church. Most of the people in that adult singles group, I would say 50% of them went to different churches than where we were meeting. He was very um, committed to that, um, to leading those boys, those high school boys. And I could see that in his heart that he, he loved and he wasn't fickle in that, you know, he would give up leading his group just to go do something else with a, you know, fun thing. He wasn't like that. He was very trustworthy. Whatever he said, he would do. And he had a job. He could support himself. And I thought he was a handsome guy, but I wasn't going on looks, to be honest with you. I really... You were over that. I was you over that. the shallowness of Yes. <laughs> and I didn't, and I wasn't looking to get married. I, I had been there and, you know, my marriage was horrible. My parents' marriage was horrible. I just was not looking to get married again. And Rob pursued me. Um, he wasn't, when he first asked me out, you know, was six weeks before he asked me out the second time, which I, I joke him on this, that he asked my second date with him where we spent the first day was six hours up in a, one of the little towns from here. I can't believe a six hour first or eight hour first date, you know, out of town. Um, I don't know. He was crazy or I was crazy to think that we, you know, first date could go eight hours, but, and we, we had a great time. And then six weeks later, we went on our second date, which happened to be Valentine's day. Now, if you're a woman, Valentine's Day has some special connotations to it. <laughs> and my the women I worked with at my office were all excited that I was going out for Valentine's Day. And I'm like, he doesn't know it's Valentine's Day. I'm telling you, he doesn't know. His secretary at his work, I think, asked him what he was doing for Valentine's Day or something. And he didn't know when Valentine's Day was. And she told him, she goes, oh, he said, I'm going out with Bobby. I've had a date or something. Mm -hmm. And so he did not know that his second date was <laughs> Valentine's Day. You know, then our next date was a few weeks later, and he was on the cruise to Bermuda, Jody. And that's when he says he fell in love with me, was on that cruise to Bermuda. He, over Memorial Day, we went out of town with his family. And then two days later, we went back where his family was staying. They have a house on the water, and they had a boat. I took my son's. And he spent all day, Memorial Day, 1998, teaching them to ski, water ski. I just remember thinking he's a keeper because he spent all that time with my sons. Such a kind-hearted man. You you know him. He's, I um, do. He is very kind. And that's when you say at the beginning when you were saying that God, you know, sometimes we get off the path or whatever. Yeah. And God got me back. You know, I don't know. It's amazing how God works. He, um, I don't know how I would have ever met him, Rob, if I hadn't gone through all these other things. And you and Rob did get married not long after after all of this began. And from then on, God has had you in a wide, beautiful place where your talents and your giftings have had freedom to blossom. I mean, you went from having to work four jobs down to just one. Yeah. <laughs> Actually had time to pursue some of those desires that it were on your heart. One of those has even turned into a ministry of sorts. Sure about your quilting. I so I make quilts and I love getting this fabric and making something of it. Now I don't do like huge um, artistic quilts. I love to give a quilt to somebody, 
so they can think that God loves them, that they can wrap themselves in it, and they're in a difficult time, and they know that God cares for them. I've had friends go through cancer treatment. Some survive, some haven't. Dear friends, I've had people lose husbands or people lose a wife or someone lose a wife. I've had friends with parents that have died unexpectedly, people that have lost children. And I just want to show them that God has not forgotten them and that he loves them. I will make a quilt for them and I put a Bible verse on them. Usually it's Bible verses that really mean something to me, a scripture. But I ask God, please give me a verse to put on the back of this quilt for this person. And I've had so many people say, you know, I love that verse that you put on my quilt. And I just want them to hug, feel God hugging them in a way that they know God cares about them. Mm. God cares about us. He created us. He knit us together in our mother's womb, regardless of what anybody says. He designed us for a reason, a purpose. He made me a woman. He made Jody a woman. He made my husband a man, made my sons male for a reason. He created all of us with a purpose. We all have a purpose in this world. And I just want people to know that as we walk through life, things do not always turn out like we think they should have. And God takes all of that. Nothing is wasted. Nothing we go through is wasted. He uses it all. And I just want people to know that God hugs them like with a quilt. And over and over again, you've seen the reality of that impressed on the people who've received these Yes, I, I remember one of my friends, Barry, I worked with, he said, was diagnosed with cancer, just unbeknownst to him that even had this growth. And, you know, I think God took him in like the space of, what, eight months or something. A strong Christian man. But I remember thinking, I really want to make Barry a quilt. I want him to know how much he means to me and how much he means to God. Not that I can speak for God. We do in many ways. God calls us to be his hands and feet in love. Yeah. So, yes, we we are. Really. And I made Barry a quilt. I knew he couldn't have visitors because his immune system was down. And I didn't really know what, where he lived exactly because he had moved across the river. And so I just called and said, listen, I've just got something. I'm just going to leave it on your porch. And I got there and I rang the bell and his wife answered the door. And I said, I know, you know, Barry can't have any visitors. Or anything. This is for him. And uh, he came to the door and he saw and he wrapped it around. I could still see him standing there. He said, I was so cold today. I just can't believe that you brought this today of all days. I can just still see him wrapped around there. Yeah. That's just one example. But I made four quilts over Christmas and two of one color, two of another. And I asked God, I, two friends asked me to make quilts for their friends that were going through cancer treatment. And I like, okay, I had enough fabric to make four, two of each color. And I didn't know what color, I didn't know which quilt to give to what person. And I just said a name, you know, just say Mary. And I pulled a piece of fabric out of the bag. Okay. I say, this is Mary's quilt. This is Jane's quilt. This is Betty's or whoever. And these are made up names. Those quilts, um, when I, when the one friend gave it to her friend, she couldn't believe it. It, it matched what was in her house. And it, it was astounding that God took each of these quilts, the colors. And the one woman, I never met, husband works with Rob, and she's been going through cancer treatment for several years. And she had gotten pretty bad. And she just was astounded at her quilt. She'd never received anything, she said, like this ever in her life. And God's actually worked miracle in her life mm. of healing. We, I've been praying for her. God heals. Yes. A year ago, um, I was in the hospital. I'd gotten really sick. I had pneumonia. I hadn't eaten anything for 10 or 14 days and didn't get out of bed. And I ended up in the hospital and was told I had pneumonia. And this is in the middle of COVID. Um, never tested positive for COVID. I went to see my doctor and she was telling me, how did you get here today? And I told her, she said, well, you need to get your husband to, then to take you to the emergency room because you are in AFib. I ended up in the hospital with AFib and I'd never had heart problems in my life. 
I didn't even know what AFib was. When I left the hospital, I was in there four days um, and went and followed up with the heart doctor. And that's another thing that God answered prayer before we even speak it. With COVID, you can't get in to see a doctor. You can't get in to see a heart doctor for three months. And I needed to see him, you know, in the next couple of weeks. And an appointment opened up, two appointments opened up the next day. Doctor said, well, we need to do a cardioversion, I think it is. where I think that's what it is when they shock your heart back into rhythm. So that night I'm laying in bed and I'm like, God, I can handle the cardioversion, but you're going to have to help me get through the IV because they couldn't find my veins when I was in the hospital. And I'm laying in bed that night and, you know, please God heal me. And I don't know that it was instantly, but sometime during that night, I was laying there and I felt this two bump, two, just like that, two thumps in my heart. Wow. And I'm laying there and I'm like, I wonder if God just healed me. I wonder if God just healed my heart. And I hadn't really outright prayed, take away the AFib. I just said, help me through this. So January 4th, I go into the heart hospital area and they hook me up to all these machines. And the nurses say to me, oh, what are you here for? (laughs) I said, well, I have AFib and I got to get that cardioversion. Because I thought, you know, they were just double checking. They said, you don't have AFib. There's nothing wrong with you. I said, well, are you sure? Because this is why they put me here. And she goes, yep. I said, well, I said this, I said, well, then God's healed me. And so they went and got the doctor and he couldn't understand it. I mean, he was all ready to do their little procedure. And I told him, I said, God's healed me. And um, they had me wear a monitor for two weeks and no problems. And it's a year later and no problems. And praise God. God, God heals. He does heal. He does heal. Well, Bobby, you have really gone through the fire in your life and have come out to tell the tale, but you haven't just come through it. You have come filled with gratitude. I love the poem that you shared with me the other day. I'd never heard it before. And so I'm going to read it for our listeners and, and then just ask you to share a little bit of the overflowing blessings from God that you've seen in your life. You've been sharing some of them, but maybe just one more. And this poem will be posted in our show notes. The poem is entitled uh, Drinking from My Saucer, and it was written by a gentleman named John Paul Moore. It goes, I've never made a fortune, and it's probably too late now, but I don't worry about that much. I'm happy anyhow. And as I go along life's way, I'm reaping better than I sow. I'm drinking from my saucer because my cup has overflowed. Haven't got a lot of riches and sometimes the going's tough, but I've got loving ones around me and that makes me rich enough. I thank God for his blessings and the mercies he's bestowed. I'm drinking from my saucer because my cup has overflowed. Oh, remember time. Times when things went wrong, my faith wore somewhat thin, but all at once the dark clouds broke and sun peeped through again. So Lord, help me not to gripe about the tough rose that I've hoed. I'm drinking from my saucer because my cup has overflowed. If God gives me strength and courage when the way grows steep and rough, I'll not ask for other blessings. I'm already blessed enough. And may I never be too busy to help others bear their loads. Then I'll keep drinking from my saucer because my cup has overflowed. I love that poem. I was riding down the highway in November. I don't really listen to much Christian teaching on the radio, but I just stopped on one of the radio stations and this man was given a sermon. I think it's Dennis Swanberg. I think I might have his name wrong. They ref- he refers to himself as a swan or his friends. And he was given a sermon about building shade trees. I think it was his great grandfather or something, planted trees. And he died at a very young age, like tw- in his 20s or 30s. So he never got to enjoy this shade trees. He was just talking about how, you know, it's like a pay it forward type of thing. That, you know, we invest and sow in, in life so that um, that those that come after us will know God, um, will know God's blessings to us. God has blessed me. That's where I heard this poem. God has blessed me so much. We pray, we sing that song, fill my cup, Lord, fill it up. Come and quench the thirsty feeling of my soul. Bread of heaven, fill me till I want no more. Fill my cup. And God has filled my cup. My cup is so overflowing that I can't even drink from what 
I can't drink from my cup. I I can only drink from the saucer. It is overflowing. When I think of all that God has done for me and where he's, what he's brought me through, you know, I feel old. I'm 65. <laughs> That's really not old, really. And I don't know what direction God has for me for in the future. But I will tell you, looking in the past, that God has never left me down, let me down. Uh, it says not to worry about what you wear, what you eat, what you drink. I've never gone without a roof over my head. I've never gone without clothes. I've never gone without food. Sometimes I felt like I never had a friend, but that's not true. I, I have friend for 50 some years. I have two friends, Kim and Esther. And I have friend Becky that all I would all I have to do, and these are friends that are 50 plus years. And then I have newer friends that are 25 years, like you and Anne and some others. God has blessed me beyond understanding. I have a home. I have two homes, actually. God, my husband and I, we built a sort of like a retreat home. We hope to have people come to and share. They're going through hard times in their life. God outfitted that home through COVID. He had to start that home like a week before COVID started. So we built this second house. And you literally built the second we, house. We did. We did. Once it <laughs> Your was, blood, sweat, and tears, yes, but it was an, quote, a, a remarkable the, story. Yes, once it was in the dry, we built this house. And that's another podcast all to itself. I, I believe in tithing. Mm. I, I just believe in tithing. I believe you can't outgive God. You just can't. I'm drinking from a saucer because I can't even get to the cup, the blessings from God are so much that I can't even get to the cup, Jody. It's just, it's, it's whatever's overflowing the cup is what I'm living with. And, you know, I think part of that, you know, Bobby, you've, you've learned to have that heart of gratitude for the little things that God was doing, even in the hard times of your life. Uh-huh. You recognized hand, you were grateful for it, and you thanked him for it. And God inhabits the praises of his people. And when we enter God's courts with thanksgiving, and we give him praise, he does come and his presence changes everything. Mm -hmm. And it might not be instantaneous. Sometimes it is like healing your heart. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's over time, but God is just so good and faithful. Mm -hmm. Bobby, as we close, I I love to ask my guests, what woman in the Bible is inspired or encouraged or taught you something? And is the one that comes to mind for you and why? All the women in the Bible, they're in there for a reason they loved God. I find myself in Martha. She was the sister, Lazarus' sister, that was the busy one. But she loved God, mm. and God loved her. And mm. God loved Lazarus, and he loved Mary. He asked Martha, you know, who do you think that I am? Because when Lazarus, her brother, was dying, you know, she had told God, if he, Jesus, if he had been there, Lazarus would not have died. I mean, she told him that. So she was on a speaking relationship with Jesus. She She was his friend enough to to tell him if you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. You know, think about how how many friends you can say, be blunt with them and say, well, if you had done this, this wouldn't happen. And then God asked her, who do you say I am? And she said, you're Jesus Christ. You're the son of God. Mm. She knew who he was in the midst of really a painful time in her life. She tended to be busy and she was a hostess. Mm-hmm. And Mary, her sister, would sit at Jesus' feet. And Martha, I can see myself saying this. Why don't you tell her to get up and help me? I can see me saying this. Martha really had a heart that she loved God and she knew who he was. And so sometimes I think I just get so much into um, doing that, you know, I just sometimes need to sit back and listen to God. And that's sort of how I, I relate to her. And I've tried recently to really sit back and especially in the mornings I just sit and um, with my Bible and my devotional stuff and just try and hear God. Mm, That's a good lesson for all of us. Yeah. So Bobby referenced Romans 2.28 earlier. The New Living Translation reads, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. As she said, nothing you do in God's economy is wasted. That doesn't mean difficult times don't come. In fact, James 1, 2 says that troubles will come. God doesn't send the trouble. 
But because we live in a fallen world, we will encounter trouble of various kinds. The beautiful and encouraging thing is, though, that God will work it all out to shape us and make us more like him if we allow him to do so. In the midst of her trouble, Bobby clung to the Lord. She looked to him as her provider, her protector, her peace for really whatever she needed. And she still does. As she has trusted and praised him in spite of her circumstances, God reformed her self-image and brought her to a wide, beautiful place. Her cup overflows, and dear one, God wants to do the same for you. Bobby, would you take a moment and pray for everyone who has listened to your amazing God story? Dear Father God, I, I thank you for this opportunity to share your story and your testimony, my testimony of your work in my life. and. I just pray, Holy Spirit, there's somebody out there that needs to hear this. It's just a regular old story for me. I am just a regular person, and I love God with all my heart. And I could not do life without you, Father God. And I just pray that you would just be an influence, through that someone would be touched by what I've shared, and that your testimony would mean that your word spoken would not be returned void. And I just pray a blessing on Jody and her family. I pray that you would just expound her boundary, boundaries and that her ministry would go far and wide, that you would anoint those that she speaks to and that her words would be your words and that she would, um, that you would just through her love many people. And I pray for this ministry for the widows and orphans. Lord God, there's many widows out there and there's orphans that are wondering, then do you even care? And they need a heavenly father and they need to feel you in their presence. And I just pray for your Holy Spirit to come and anoint these folks and those listening, Father, you would bless them, that they would come to know you in a personal way, mm -hmm. come to know your word and that you care for them and ask us in your holy name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. In our show notes at hergodstore.org, you will find scriptures and other information we talked about. Don't forget, though, to sign up for our emails and get a six-week devotional book you can download for free. Or you may want to purchase a 12-week 12 12-week 12 devotional for just $12, knowing that all the proceeds will go to our Widow and Orphans Fund. We'd love to pray with you on our 24-7 prayer and text line. Give us a call anytime at 855-459-CARE. Or email us at prayer at somebodycares.org. And now, dear friends, I bless you with an adaptation of Psalm 23. May the Lord, who is your shepherd, be all you need. May he give you restful places and renew your strength. May you follow him closely along the right paths that bring honor to his name. May you feel his protection, provision, and comfort at all times, especially when you faced the enemy. And as his goodness and mercy overtake you, may your cup overflow with blessing too. Her God Story is a ministry of Somebody Cares America and International. To find out more about or support the ministry, go to somebodycares.org.